Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, the crappy quiz, and a slight tangent. Does that count? <laughs> Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Off the Ball Daily. Now you're welcome, Max. So a uh, topic, conversation I'm really looking forward to. I have not talked about bullfighting on the show uh, just yet. So it is a um, quintessential aspect of Spanish tradition and culture. It is also contentious and divisive. It is, um, for something which feels so Spanish and timeless, it's a relatively modern spectacle. So the New York Times uh, wrote about it a while ago and they said it started in the uh, Andalusia region as late as the 18th uh, century. It took decades to reach a national audience and then it became something of a craze. So there were bull rings in Spain, all over Spain, Mexico, France, Morocco, a cult of celebrity developed around bullfighters. The uh, decline, you can date it certainly to the 70s, where many of these iconic bull rings have shut down in places like Barcelona and Benidorm and uh, Tenerife, and they've reopened as shopping centres and cultural centres and even nightclubs. So that's been the trend since about the 70s. But interestingly, it is enjoying a rejuvenation of sorts amongst younger Spanish people. So to uh, tell us more, very happy to bring in Guy Hedgeco, freelance journalist. You will see his work uh, in, amongst other places, The Irish Times. Guy, great to have you on. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Uh, I was trying to get a sense of where um, bullfighting is in terms of popularity at the moment in Spain. The best information I could see is that just under 2% of Spaniards attended a bullfight in 2021-2022, uh, that season according to Culture Ministry statistics. But within that 2%, uh, the uh, biggest group were the 15 to 19-year-olds. Now, every sport in the world wants those 15 to 19-year-olds and turns out uh, bullfighting has them. So that's a very interesting development. I read a piece of yours post the crash in 08 and you were making the point then that uh, it is an expensive sport to attend. It was really suffering on the back of that uh, economic crisis, but it seems to be hanging in there is the point. Yeah, it is. I mean, there are so many figures out there um, that give you a picture of the bullfighting industry at the moment that um, I think you have to be careful when you when you look at them, um, because um, there certainly is something of a a renaissance. If you look at just the sheer number of bullfights or bull related activities that are going on at the moment in Spain since the pandemic, if you look at those figures, you know, you you really do see something that looks like a, a, a real boom. Um, there were around 20,000 bullfights or bullfight-related activities last year across Spain. I mean, that sounds like a huge number. And I should point out that a relatively small number of those were actually proper professional bullfights. A lot of those are sort of, you know, amateur or or kind of uh, fiestas that you get in villages where a bull was chased around by local people. But still, there were 20,000 of those um, across the country last year. And that is more than there were in 2019. So, you know, it really has recovered from the pandemic in that sense, in terms of the sheer number of events. Um, And in fact, it surpassed pre-pandemic levels in that sense. Um, And, you know, you point out there that, you know, the the, um, participation of younger people. I think it'd be interesting to look at the, the figures in terms of where those younger people are getting involved, because the impression I get is that out in those the little villages, the rural areas where, 
you do get those fiestas. I think younger people are very much still involved because it's such a big, uh, it's, it's just such a big deal out there for um, for the younger generations. And when you get into the bigger cities, I, I live quite near Las Vendas Ballring in Madrid, sort of arguably the, the most famous ballring in the country. And in bullfighting season, when people are pouring out of the ballring at the end of a bullfight, mostly what you tend to see are you know, people, foreigners, uh, tourists, and older people. So that has been sort of a big problem that bullfighting has had over the years, that it's sort of older generations who um, have been clinging on to it and tourists go along for sort of the novelty. But it's been it's been more, much more difficult to get younger people involved. I think if you look at in the, in the cities, I think you'll probably find that younger people are less, um, are, are taking part much less in the cities. But still, you know, the numbers, uh, when you look at the numbers overall, a lot of people would say, you know, that suggests something of a boom. I mentioned it was a contentious uh, issue for fairly obvious reasons. And, you know, it's interesting uh, on a whole in a whole host of areas, uh, that contentious aspect has been borne out. So the UN Committee on the Rights of Children, they urged Spain in 2018, you need to stop children going to bullfights. You need to ba- you shield them from this kind of violence. And so far, Spain has said, thank you very much, UN. We'll do our own thing. You can stay out of it. Uh, equally, there was like a 400 uh, euro subsidy given to young people, um, which is kind of an interesting idea, actually. I mean, uh, other countries should maybe think about that. So a 400 euro voucher in effect subsidy, go and see some culture. And... Uh, the question as to whether bullfighting is a cultural act or not went all the way to the Supreme Court and the left-leaning government was beaten. And so that 400 euro could be uh, spent to heart's content on bullfighting. Uh, so it's it's playing out in all these kind of areas. What about um, in the coffee shops and pubs and classrooms of Spain? Is this a hotly debated pursuit, Guy? I don't know. I mean, I think it certainly is, you know, in the political arena. I think when you get out, when you're talking to some people in, in the streets, I mean, here in Madrid, for example, I think going back again to this this divide between the urban and the rural, I really, I really think it's important to to underline that on on this issue, like many issues, that that is a big deal. So, I think you know, people out in the countryside tend to be much more supportive of bullfighting, much more in favour of maintaining bullfighting. They they see it as a tradition that you know, it, there are some villages that um, so they can trace the tradition of bullfighting or, or bull chasing um, back, you know, decades or even centuries in their particular village. Mm. Um, and you know, younger people will talk about that and older people as well. You come to Madrid or you go to Barcelona or, you know, big cities, Valencia and so on, in the cities, people really aren't as interested. Um, it's, it's it's not a, a, an urban uh, pursuit. So in that sense, it's not talked about uh, um, in those big urban hubs. And, and would it be, for instance, say in Madrid, as the tourists and the older generation are streaming out of a bullfight, uh, would they be likely to encounter people protesting animal cruelty, animal rights groups outside? Yes. I mean, you frequently see that now during bullfighting season, which is, you know, sort of pretty much throughout the summer into the beginning of the autumn, there are um, a lot of um, animal rights demonstrations, protests which take place um, often right outside bull rings. So, you know, you see this sort of what could, you know, almost uh, appear to be conflicts or they, they don't tend to be to turn into physical 
um, encounters, but they can get quite heated between animal rights protesters and those who are coming out of bullfights. Um, so, you know, in that sense, it's sort of become part of um, Spain's cultural war, this big divide, mm. um, very broadly speaking, between the left and the right. Um, but it's, it has certainly fed into that. And it's yet another sort of um, divide or schism in Spanish society, um, which is being played out in the political arena and the social arena. Um, you know, the issues of, you know, gender equality, LGBTQ um, issues as well. And animal rights and bullfighting has become another one of those battlefields. Yes, I can imagine so. Uh, to the matadors themselves, I, I, I presume down the decades, uh, celebrities, uh, cult status, celebrated. I mean, like, uh, I don't think you can open a Hemingway book or, uh, you know, Picasso, all the, you know, artists, I presume, across Spain have, have been very drawn to that primal aspect of uh, bullfighting. And I'm sure, uh, is there is there a, still a big cachet in being a matador? I was uh, reading, they get 100 grand to bullfight. I mean, this, this is a Premier League money guy and they could uh, do 30 or 40 of these a year. So uh, would I be opening the uh, pages of Hello magazine or, or you know, and seeing the, the handsome matador dating the supermodel? Is it that kind of a vibe? Well, there, there is an, a certain amount of that still. So you open up, you know, Hola magazine, the, the Spanish version of Hello, and you will see, you know, bullfighters or often it's just relatives of bullfighters or the son of or brother of who are kind of famous by association, you know, who they're dating and so on. So bullf- that, that's, you know, something which is very unique to Spain, that bullfightings are part of that, not necessarily A-list celebrity, I wouldn't say, but certainly the B-list, you know, among TV stars and sort of certain sort of pop stars, they're, they're moving in that sort of um, at that sort of level. Mm. Um, they are sort of seen as, you know, kind of... Um, um, upper class and that, that's a level of society but I think to many Spaniards uh, more for sort of younger and certainly for left-leaning Spaniards at the same time they are sort of seen as a bit of a joke actually you know they're seen as a very old-fashioned um, conservative so part of um, an idea of Spain that you were talking there of you know of Hemingway and so on going back you know over the decades yeah. you know a lot of people see that as a negative thing because they they feel that this is the this is not the image of Spain um, that that people should have. Um, Spain, you know, should be seen as a much more modern country, and bullfighting is you know just a classic case of something which is holding back the image of Spain from mm. from moving into the properly into the twenty first century. Uh, if you'll allow me, and sorry, I, I'll, I'll keep this as brief as possible, but I've never been to. Uh bullfight I had, I had a fair degree obviously of what went on and presumed there was a, a, a degree of pageantry and an order to things Colm Greaves who uh, wrote recently in the uh, Irish Examiner um, about his experience of attending a bullfight I think paints a very vivid picture so this is a very much a, a shortened down version but so there's the the prelude where a bugle sounds and then a brass band strikes up a march and a parade enters the ring and there's an entourage and there are picadors who are on horseback and various people involved. There's a donkey who eventually is going to cart away the dead bull. And so they enter very theatrically and they bow in very exaggerated ways before the dignitaries. And then they um, go into Act One where the bull explodes into the ring, booking powerful 500 kilos of looming jeopardy. The matadors tempt him with waved capes and then quickly retreat behind protective barriers when he returns their attention. 
That is the only part of the game that the bull wins and his victory lasts for barely a minute. So then what happens is a mounted horseman awaits the picador. The bull charges the horse uh, who skillfully avoids the bull. But uh, in doing so, uh, the bull gets a sharp end of a lance into the shoulder. And then we're into act two. Sharp barbed harpoons called banderellas, at least four of them, are driven into the bull's neck either by the picador on horseback or by the matador on foot. By now the bull is bleeding heavily, fading energy, dripping scarlet, uh, reddening the packed yellow sand beneath them. And then into Act 3, the bull stands still now in the centre of the ring, tired, focusing only on his one remaining enemy, the matador, who allows the bull to pass close several times but easily dances around him. The spectators thrill noisily, the matador struts, the animal tires, his head a little heavier, a little closer to the ground. The final moments for the bull will, uh, that the bull will see are thousands of white handkerchiefs waving in appreciation of the bullfighter's art as mobile phones fat flash like fireflies hungrily uh, freezing the images of his ebbing, exhausted resistance. The final motion, if the bull feels emotion, will be loathing, loathing for the man before him, strutting dramatically, posing melodramatically, taunting, mocking as he organises the final scenes in this three-act dance. A uh, man faces beast eye to eye. The crowd silences. The man lunges. And uh, it's very important that the uh, blade is uh, cold steel this time and driven into the uh, aorta of the uh, bull. Got to say, it doesn't read as uh, anything but uh, torture, really, of an animal. You can really understand, on the one hand, why that primal aspect is celebrated and also why it is so contentious and why there are protests and why there is a sense, come on, what are we doing here? Have you attended one? Yes, I mean, I've been to a few. I haven't been to one for quite a long time. Um, I mean, that, that piece you just read there um, is, is extremely evocative and it really does get across how it feels and how it sounds. And I mean, what I do remember from, you know, the first time, the first couple of times that I went to one, I, I was not really um, excited at the idea. I was just curious and I went along as a tourist. But actually... It is. You, you do find it. You can get kind of caught up in the sort of in the pageantry and the noise and the trumpets blaring and and people chanting and so on. Um, and in that context, it's almost quite easy to forget about the sort of the the, the pain of the animal. Um, and and what I've I really noticed more, I think, the more recent times I've been to bullfights. And the most, in fact, the most recent one I went to was um, about a decade ago because it was the last bullfight, one of the last bullfights in Catalonia, and I was there covering it for work. But I really got a sense that the bull itself, or the bulls that were, were involved, were bewildered, you know, um, more than anything else. They really, you know, they didn't, just didn't understand what was going on. And I think one of the criticisms you hear so much about bullfighting is that you know, there's there's really not an equivalence there. The, the, the jeopardy that the, the matador, is facing is so much lower than the jeopardy that the bull is facing. Yeah, you know, it, it's a massive surprise if a bullfighter is hurt during a bullfight. There was one death, um, I think, around nine or ten years ago yes. um, in a bullfight in the summer. Um, I forget the details, but there was a huge fuss about it, and there was a huge fuss because it was so unusual, you know. And there were interviews with the widow of the bullfighter, um, and it received a huge amount of publicity, and inevitably. It, it sort of triggered a massive debate um, from both sides. And there were people, you know, 
animal rights people saying, well, he deserved to, to die because how many bulls has he killed in cold blood? And then there were his defenders of this bullfighter saying he was a great hero. Mm. Um, but, you know, clearly, in terms of jeopardy, the, the bull is, is uh, almost certain to die. Whereas it's very unusual if a matador dies. Yes. And not so much a question, but just I was interested to read. Um, well, not surprisingly, first of all, the bulls in question are bred for this very purpose. They're called fighting bulls. They're selected for combination of aggression and energy and strength and stamina. But uh, it's interesting uh, during uh, the breeding of these bulls and, and, and their uh, youth, they rarely encounter humans. And if so, they never encounter them on foot. And what's more, if a bull, for whatever reason, is deemed to have fought bravely and, and, and spared in a bullfight, uh, it never fights again. The logic being, same as why they never encounter humans on foot too often, uh, the logic being they'll have learned from their first encounter and they could potentially be more dangerous to the matador second time around. So, you know, let's not let this uh, beast learn. And, and if they survive, which I presume is a rare enough um, uh, situation they ain't fighting a second time because they'll have learned the uh, they might have learned a few tricks which again just underlines your point about just that this game is not not even uh, it's not enough of an exaggeration to say it's rigged yeah and, and I mean there, there is also criticism uh, there has been criticism of the way that bulls are bred um, you know there, there are you know experts within the bullfighting industry who will, will say that you know the bulls being bred now are much less aggressive, much less likely to hurt a matador, kill a matador, than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. And they're being bred deliberately to be more docile. So, you know, there are people who say that, um, you know, despite all those, the, the, you know, these measures that are taken, and that in theory, the way they're being bred is the same as, as it was, you know, all those years, going back years and years. Um, the, the cards are sort of stacked against them. Um, because the, the the breeders are trying to make sure that they're more attractive for bullfights. That is, that they're not going to kill the, the, the matadors. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned it's very much part of, uh, it's just the latest in, in a litany of uh, culture wars in, in Spain. I was uh, reading, not surprisingly, that for some right-wing youth who very much proudly associate themselves with all the symbols of traditional Spain that attending bullfights has become uh, fashionable. So there, there is that political component. And that brings us maybe into Catalonia, where it was banned a decade ago. So talk to us about bullfighting and the Catalan region. Well, yeah, it was, it was banned in 2012 by the, uh, the Catalan regional parliament. Um, and the the reasoning behind that was that you know the the parties that that approved that ban they said it was it was an animal rights um driven prohibition um however it it was very contentious not just because bullfighting fans were angry about that but there was the argument from those who opposed the ban that this was purely uh driven by politics in the sense of um territorial politics the tensions between catalonia and the rest of spain which were already running pretty high back then, 2011, 2012, um, there was a, a claim by Spanish unionists that the banning of bullfighting was being used by Catalan nationalists to try and uh, distance Catalonia from the rest of Spain culturally because yes. bullfighting is such a sort of stereotypically Spanish activity. 
So it was a very uh, contentious ban anyway. It was actually lifted. The ban was overturned four years later by mm. the Constitutional Court, which said um, that the, the Catalan Parliament couldn't do that. But despite the, the overturning of the ban, um, bullfighting has never returned to Catalonia. There hasn't been um, enough momentum to bring it back to the region. Um, so, so Catalonia has not seen a bullfight um, for the last what uh, 11 years, although there are many in the region who would dearly love to see it return. Okay, interesting. Uh, and and I, I mean, listening to your analysis, I presume animal rights being very important and everything, the reality is they did look at, well, what's more uh, Spanish than bullfighting? And let's be honest, we're not going to ban football. So that was the obvious choice. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean... Th- in, in Catalonia, they have continued to have these other bull-related fiestas called Correbus, right. um, which animal rights uh, activists get very upset about because, for example, they can include you know, attaching fireworks to, the, to the, the horns of bulls. And the bulls are not killed, but you know, animal rights uh, activists say, well, they're being humiliated and taunted and, and essentially tortured. Um, and that's not, and, and even some bullfighters will, will um, criticise those sort of traditions, saying that is pure humiliation. There's no ceremony involved in it. It's just essentially a bunch of sort of people in a village running around with fireworks, taunting an animal. Um, so that has continued, um, and that is very much a sort of Catalan tradition. Yeah. And you know, it, it remains to this day. Do bullfighters and fans of bullfighting? regarded as a sport or is it seen more like in the world of art well i think more is seen as being more part of the world of art because if you go to the uh any newspaper daily newspaper such as you know el país el mundo mm. they will run bullfighting reviews or articles about bullfighting in the culture pages so it's seen very much as part of, of culture and i suppose that you know that goes all the way back to you know, when people like Hemingway or, you know, or, you know, the Spanish poet Garcia Lorca was friends with bullfighters. Um, and it was seen as, you know, yet another uh, form of art back then. Mm. Um, and obviously that that has changed now. I, I mean, I think many people, even supporters of it, may not argue fully that it's, it's, it's um, you know, comparable to cinema or, um, or other forms of art. Mm. But it is always regarded technically speaking, as culture rather than sport. Um, and th- there has been quite a lot of debate about whether bullfights should be uh, televised as well, live on public TV. Um, what tends to happen is when there's uh, a left-wing government in place, uh, bullfights are not televised live. I'm not sh- exactly sure what the situation is right now. When there's a right-wing government in, in office, they're more likely to be broadcast live. Right. Um, after after but, the um, watershed, or could you flick on there at two o'clock? In a no, Sunday? because it would be it would be live. So not often they begin at five or six o'clock in the afternoon, okay. and if, so they would be on live then. So there would be no no watershed whatsoever. So children would be able to watch that. Certainly, yes. Right. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people listening would be saying to like little Johnny or Mary, sit down there and watch that. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you go to a, the bullfighting academies and there are, you know, there are children learning to be bullfighters. You know, fewer, I think, than there were, um, you know, a couple of decades ago. Mm. But I mean, I, I remember going to a bullfight again, covering a, um, a sort of village bullfight for work um, in Madrid um, about a decade ago. And I, I spoke to a kid who was, he must have been 12 years old 
um, who was, I mean, he, he, he killed a bull. It was a very small bull. Um, but he was an up-and-coming sort of young bullfighter. He was one of a group who were involved in it. It was a bullfight for for children. And this was sort of the kind of final step in their, um, in their learning process, mm. being in an actual bullfight with quite a big crowd. You know, they weren't in Madrid, but they were in a little village outside Madrid. But um, this was part of the process, you know. Um, and, you know, so, so kids are learning this. And kids are certainly seeing it on the TV. That that um, is not something which has um, has been blocked. Mm. I I must say I must uh, read a review of a bullfight now, guy. I didn't realise it was in that section of the paper. So I mean, is it you know, great costumes lacked a certain stage presence, this kind of stuff? Well, I mean, if you it's interesting because if you read um, El País, for example, they have a you know a, a critic there. They have a you know bullfighting correspondent who basically covers all their bullfights, and he's extremely outspoken in criticising the state of bullfighting at the moment. Even though he's a, an absolute aficionado, um, he knows his stuff. Um, so you know, when there is a good bullfight, or what, what he would consider a good bullfight, he will say so, and he'll explain. You know why it was why he feels it was good why a certain bullfighter won an ear that is you know when your bullfighter is deemed to have performed well um he an ear is cut off the bull and he keeps it he can then keep two ears if it performs extremely well and the tail um that's a sort of the the ace in the pack if he's deemed to have performed pretty much perfectly so you know a, a correspondent like that will explain why a bullfighter um, has, you know, is seen as having performed particularly well. But by the same token, um, you know, this guy Antonio Lorca, the, the correspondent, will mm. um, say, you know, why a bullfighter really wasn't up to it, was, was performing extremely badly. And a lot of his criticism is aimed at the state of the bulls as well as the bullfighters, saying that, you know, again, the bulls um, that are being bred are too docile. This is the fault of the breeders. And, um, you know, many of the bullfighters are, are not matching up either. So he, in a way, is very is very pessimistic about the state of bullfighting, even though he loves it dearly. OK. Uh, final thought, then. What's your uh, sense, if we're uh, to catch up in 20 years, where will bullfighting be? Well, I mean, there are a number of pressures on it, not least of all there's the animal rights issue. Um, if you look at polling, then more than half of Spaniards, according to the last polls that I've seen, are opposed to bullfighting, believe it should be banned um, in one form or another. Um, and I think that is going to grow. I think that despite the sort of, you know, the, the, the youngsters who are interested in it, I think there are so many other youngsters who are um, aware of animal rights and um, opposed to it. I think in that sense, it's facing a squeeze. But I think perhaps the biggest threat to it um, is its business model. You know, it, it doesn't seem to have been well managed. The industry of bullfighting doesn't seem to have been well managed. It was pretty chaotic during the pandemic. You know, many people were wondering if it was actually going to just shut down pretty much forever. It didn't. It has bounced back, but it's relying heavily on subsidies from local governments, such as here in Madrid, um, particularly conservative local governments. Now, if you take those subsidies away, it's really struggling and it doesn't seem to have enough big stars at the moment you know young big stars who can pull it through so mm. i think if you come back to it in 20 years time i think it's going to be in a pretty poor state if it's still around at all guy i have to say that was so interesting 
Um, I threw every question at you there. The answers were fantastic. So I, I, it, it's like you're a bullfighting expert. I mean, you do cover more than bullfighting, I should stress. So uh, well, you, you wouldn't know listening to you. <laughs> expert by default, I think. It's not something I, I, I'm conscious of taking an interest in. But in Spain, you can't help but, but follow it. It's really um, the state of it, you know, for better or worse, really. Very good. Well, listen, we appreciate your time. Uh, Guy Hedgeco, freelance journalist. You'll see Guy's work in the Irish Times, amongst other places. Thanks so much, Guy. It's an absolute pleasure. Great to talk to you.